This is The Road We Travel, a production of Drive Smart Virginia. Our guest is Ellen Kamalakis. She works for VDOT, and if you follow their Twitter feed in Northern Virginia, you may know her as Meemaw. Being able to go out there and live time ride with a plow truck driver and have people on Twitter be able to say, hey, what, what is his favorite movie? And <laughs> does he like coffee or tea? It's a master class in social media. It is next. Our guest is Ellen Kamalakis, and she is, what is, what is your title, Ellen? I am a senior public affairs officer with the Northern Virginia District of the Virginia Department of Transportation. And you do a lot of social media, and we'll be talking about that soon. How long have you been with the with VDOT? I just passed my six-year anniversary last week, so I'm, I'm pretty excited. What had you done before you started working in communications for VDOT? Have you always done public relations and communications? Yeah, for 12 years before that, I worked for Fairfax County government. And I started out in the police department, and then I moved to emergency management. And then the last six years that I was there, I was in transportation. So I I've worked in transportation on the local and the state level at this point. I did a brief stint about a year in Boulder, Colorado, but I am a a Virginian at heart. So I uh, came back and, and have been working for VDOT ever since. Did you do social media when you were with the the other employers or did that start when you when you joined VDOT? Oh, no. Um, So uh, social media, uh, Fairfax County has a bus system called the Fairfax Connector. And it was, I believe, 2009, we created the Twitter and Facebook accounts for the transit system. So I ran those for a while. And then I did a little bit of social media in Boulder. And I've been doing social media primarily Twitter, but we also have a Reddit account in Northern Virginia. Um, so I've been doing that ever since. How long have you been doing the, the Twitter feed for the, you're in the Northern Virginia area? Yes, Northern Virginia district. So our district is Arlington County, Fairfax County, Prince William County, and Loudoun County. I started working for VDOT about a month and a half before the blizzard uh, that we had in 2016. Oh, great. So Exactly. So um, I really kind of cut my teeth on social media with the agency at the beginning of um, the blizzard. And we started off immediately um, sharing as much information as we could. I went on um, a ride along with a plow truck um, so that I could take photos and publish videos and answer questions. And and it really helped people to get a window into what was happening to understand. Because when, you, when you're in a snowstorm and all you do is look outside your front window, you see the conditions that are in front of you, but you don't see everything else. And so people are like, why can't you take care of this? Or the road seems fine. And then, you know, they can get out onto the main roads and it's a completely different scenario. So <clears throat> having the photos and video helps. Um, but you you touched on it before perfectly. It's, it's about creating a community and creating a relationship um, with the residents that we have up here. You know, ultimately, we're a government agency and it's our job to serve the residents. It's our job to provide a useful service and uh, help them wherever we can and whenever we can. And social media is designed for a two-way dialogue. It's not just a static website that you just put information up and then don't um, interact with the people that have something to say, or you, you know, you want tailor your content to elicit some sort of feedback and to elicit some sort of interaction with people. So being able to go out there and live time ride with a plow truck driver and have people on Twitter be able to say, hey, what, what is his favorite movie? And <laughs> does he like coffee or tea? Or And, and what it does is it creates, um, it creates the ability for the residents to see the maintenance operators the way that I see them, mm-hmm. you know, they're real people. They all have their own unique personalities. They're lovely. They work hard. They're fun to be around. And field work is is my absolute favorite thing to do within the agency. And having residents feel the same kind of bond that I feel towards our maintenance workers is just a win-win. And then they get to see the people.
people who have never, um, you know, seen a brine tanker or a crash cushion or understood what they're there for or, um, you know, the, the spreader that gets mounted on the back of a, a plow truck or salt domes or salt sheds. We have this giant salt dome in our district called the Megadome, appropriately called the Megadome, and it holds 33,000 tons of salt. And it's right off of the Beltway. And it can literally fit a jet in it. It is enormous. And having that bit of information gives people sort of an interesting factoid into, oh, I didn't know they had something that big, but it also reinforces, well, clearly they're prepared because they have proper storage for this and it's filled and they're ready to go. So it's really win-win the more that we can share, you know, insight into what we're doing. There's an immediacy to social media in in a situation like that. You're talking about doing the ride along on the plow truck. You know, it's not like broadcasting. It's not like television or radio where the viewer is is kind of in a passive relationship with the person telling the story. They're actually able to communicate with you while you're in the cab of the truck. Yes, definitely. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. And um they they can ask whatever questions that they're interested in and they and they see the things that our maintenance workers have to deal with like i was on one ride along where we we're in a i believe we were in a tandem axle so it's a really really big dump truck and we had the blade on the front of the truck and the blades are you know 12 feet wide and um we were sort of patrolling because we it it hadn't accumulated you know enough for us to put the plow blade down right and we're sitting there at uh, like a not even like a full intersection. It's just where somebody could like cut through and, you know, make a left from another street. And we're not blocking the box in any way. And people are literally like shoehorning themselves multiple cars <laughs> into the intersection right in front of this giant plow blade. And I'm flabbergasted at the idea that like you see this giant thing right in front of you. <laughs> with this giant plow blade and you're perfectly fine trying to squeeze yourself in. I mean, we were stopped and everything was fine, but you know, in my mind, I'd be like, Hey, let me give them a wide berth. But, um, people, um, a lot of drivers do not have an awareness, uh, situational awareness of what's going on around them. So being able to show that is a bit of the cornerstone of, um, you mentioned tone, the tone that we um, take, what we found is far more useful or resonates with people is to not encourage positive behavior, but to chastise negative behavior. So when we can almost create a peer pressure situation where we're presenting negative driving behaviors in a way that everyone can say, yeah, that's awful. You shouldn't be doing that. Oh, that's terrible. You shouldn't do that. We get a lot more interaction with people and reaction out of people because we validated a feeling that they've had. Um, we're, we're relatable because we have the same frustrations that other people have. You know, right. We have people in our agency that they drive, they take the train, they take the bus, they walk, they cycle, everything. So we experience the transportation network the same way that they do. I think one of the biggest messages that VDOT has trouble getting across in an event like a snowstorm, well, especially a snowstorm, is could folks please just stay off the roads while we do our work? (laughs) Could you please just, there's a window from the time the stuff, and I'm speaking like I know what I'm talking about and I don't, but, you know, correct me. But there's, there's a window, right, between the time the stuff starts sticking, VDOT needs to work to clear and treat the roads. You can't treat the roads when it's raining, because the chemicals wash off the roads, you know. They, yep. it, so when the trucks are out there actually plowing and trying to clear the roads, if people are driving and getting stuck, they have to, you know, you have to stop and deal with the person blocking the road because they they didn't listen. Yes. They didn't listen to the tweets from BDOT saying, <laughs> please, for God's sake, stay off the road while we try to get this done. So I, I don't know of anyone who's not on social media. How do you get people to follow your social media feeds? Because, you know, you can put the message out there all day, but if they're not following you, they don't see it. Well, and you, if I can address what you've um, 
what you've just said. You have encapsulated everything that we deal with, which is, um, you know, being able to message something like staying off the roads. But we have to do it in such a nuanced way because we have 2.2 million residents in our district. Um, the idea that we're going to be able to get everybody to stay off the roads, everybody has different schedules, different kinds of jobs, different kinds of essential levels, um, and you can't cry wolf too many times. Mm-hmm. So we modify that to a point where we, you know, say limit travel or plan around the height of the storm. Um, if it gets to blizzard level, we absolutely can say stay off the roads. Because the more that we say the most extreme thing and people say, you know what, I went out to the grocery store and it was fine. So I, you no longer have credibility in my mind to say the things that you're saying. So we have to take into account what realistic behavior is going to be, especially in, in a district as, as busy as ours. So that's something that having the current conditions imagery um, out there really, really helps. It's so much, in my personal opinion, it's so much better or so much easier to just get like one big snowstorm, soft powder snow, (laughs) push it out of the way, and you're done with it. And people recognize that because there is that window of time. For us, it's three days. So if people are, they have a snow day, that's great. They're home. Everything's fine. The second day, everybody's getting on everybody's nerves. (laughs) stressing people out and then the third day is when everybody turns on us and that's where we get a lot of negativity then on social media because people are like okay i don't want to do this anymore yeah um it'll be interesting to see once we have a season that is like a you know like a heavier snow season post-covid uh because people who have been through the process of quarantine and working from home and everything it it might adjust their um expectations in terms of okay well i have to stay home for you know three days but you know what i've stayed home for 18 months so that's a good point they're (laughs) preconditioned for you now i think so i think so i i hope so um you know we always want to clear as soon as possible and then it depends on the dynamics of the storm um you know with ice what people what we always say is like there is no strategy to driving on ice you can have a strategy to driving on snow um in how you deal with things but with ice it's like the game over that is that's some of the worst stuff that that we can deal with um and when we have those freak ice storms in the middle of rush hour the beginning of rush hour and it just you know locks up the region we partner with the national weather service and they um a couple years ago started this winter commuting hazard warning where if it's a certain temperature range, if it's a certain amount of precipitation, it's a certain time of day, it's going to trigger something for them to say, hey, guys, there's a potential for something like this happening because it's not going to be 20 inches of snow dumped on you. But it's those slick, icy um, situations where people still are going out because everything looks fine to them or they think it's fine to them. And that's when you can have those situations happen. Yeah, those are those so nightmarish multi-vehicle accidents caused by by ice. Yes, definitely. So your other question was, how do I get people to follow us on social yes. media? We, to date, have 44,300 followers. And impressions that we had on our tweets last year, and impressions is like the number of pair of eyes that have seen your tweet. We're close to 19 million. Holy um, so cow. <laughs> the, the vast majority of the people, ironically, that see our tweets are not people that officially follow us. So the more that we can have um, engaging, <clears throat> compelling, relatable, humorous, catchy um, content in the off times of when it's not an emergency, when it's not something that we absolutely have to have everybody's attention and focus, um, the more people then are aware that the account exists. Is that through so shares? Can... Hmm? Is that through likes and shares? Yeah, it's through likes and shares and comments. Um, but um, one of the things we, 
was it? It was a, it was a cicada tweet. And I want to say it was in May and somebody, you know, all of a sudden at like almost across all the same platforms, Instagram, Facebook, all this kind of stuff. There's this one meme of a cicada and it says, um, been asleep for 17 years and 495 is still under construction. <laughs> um, and it was the funniest thing because, you know, as a transportation PIO, my first thought was, well, 495 has not been under construction since 2012. So, you know, you have that little bristly, like, well, that isn't true. But <clears throat> yeah, but that's not okay. the first thing that you want to respond with, right? No, 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 no. It definitely, because you know what? 66 is under construction. 395 was under construction. 95. So to me, it was so, it was so funny the way that it was done. So I just shared it. And it was like that the tweet was like the, the, the text was like, who did this with a bunch of question marks? And it resonated <laughs> with people that we got like uh, over 800,000 impressions on the single tweet. Um, and lo and behold, it was uh, the creative director for DC 101 that had done it. So ah. I was able to sort of track through and we had a conversation and it was it was actually really great because then we were interacting with um the station's account and then that means that more people know that we exist all this kind of stuff so it was really actually very funny um and relatable because everybody's talking about cicadas and it was like what's the number one thing that people want to talk about in northern virginia transportation i mean we are very fortunate or i'm very fortunate um as a communicator to have a topic that everyone is interested in so i'm sure that there's plenty of government communicators out there that struggle to have people uh, take an interest in the work um, of their agency, but everybody is very interested in what goes on within the agency. Um, you know, some days positive, some days negative, but it tra transportation affects everybody's life in, in Northern Virginia. So we kind of have a built-in audience, but then at the same time, when they see us interacting with other government accounts, um, with brand accounts, um, all these different things, we we build up an audience. And there, <clears throat> there was a New York Times piece that was done in January before the pandemic. And it was talking about a bunch of government accounts, like a handful of government accounts that have this sort of unique voice to them. And so it incorporated, um, you know, the New Jersey Gov account, um, Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District, I love that account. Um, and so people are like, how do you know them? And I grew up there or vice versa. They're like, wait, I grew up in Fairfax and I live in Ohio now. Um, but it's because we speak the same language. And really the one um, for me that has just um, been so impactful is the um, Baltimore City Health Department. They're incredible. They are incredible. And they are an account that um, has so much energy and creativity and they know their audience and they have clapbacks to, to, you know, trolls and all kinds of stuff. It's just incredible. And the work that they do to just tirelessly get accurate information, health information out there is, um, is incredible. It's, it's absolutely incredible. And you always need these accounts that are, um, that are the ones that are going out on the limb, um, to encourage the other accounts that are maybe a little bit more conservative with their approach to, to be able to have somebody else to point to and say, well, yeah, I did a funny tweet and maybe our leadership's uncomfortable with that, but at least I didn't go as far as them. And so it normalizes everybody shifting to this very social tone on social media. Well, I was going um, so to mention that, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, if you're going to go in that direction and you really need to depending on on what your organization is but there's some obviously that that just wouldn't work for that you know a lighter tone doesn't work for some things but mm -hmm. in most cases it's social media so mm -hmm. it's supposed to have a conversational tone and um but upper management what advice do you have for someone who's in charge of their social media uh, for a, a group or a company or or whatever and they have to run everything past supervisors, every tweet, um, where it, they just can't seem to get them to loosen up about the content. Well, to be honest with you, that's that's a bit of um, 
a kiss of death for social media because social media is about speed. It's not about being completely um, polished. You know, it's about being responsive and accurate because the minute um, there's a piece of misinformation out there, it can spread so quickly. Um, And you want to have as few people involved in crafting the tone to have the tone be consistent. And that's essentially what we did in Northern Virginia is I was very protective of the account in terms of, um, you know, no, I'll just do it myself or nope, that's not going to go out or this is how I'm going to say things. And so it became so fluid for us to have a consistent message because it was always me. It was always my voice. Right. Um, and so then when we transitioned into Meemaw, it was like, geez, you know, I'm 45 years old. I'm, I am Meemaw. Like <laughs> there's no pretending there. There's no acting. There's no persona. It's like, this is my real life. Like, okay, great. Uh, I'll check Twitter before I go to bed and answer as many things as I can because People are not on social media only during business hours. So there's early morning throughout the day, you know, evenings, weekends, all this kind of stuff that, you know, people have questions or issues about the roads um, or just want to interact. Um, and that, you know, that's that's how we function. Yeah. Um, so some of the stuff ends up being um, completely unrelated to transportation. And that's where COVID came in was. When we saw traffic volumes drop massively, massively, I mean, I want to say in April of 2020, I think one of the interstates saw like a 73% drop in volume. Um, So to to continue forward with saying, oh, we're going to keep talking about traffic safety when everybody's at home, Mm -hmm. they're not on the roads, and everybody is terrified of you know, what is COVID? What's going to happen? You know, what's going to happen to me? This is the point in time where everybody was having their groceries delivered and wiping the bags down with Clorox before they even opened the bags up. So to be able to engage people with, you know, this actual true community that we had built, it was, how do I serve the needs of our community? And the needs of the community is we're in an unprecedented unprecedented situation and we got to talk about this um and that's where the nags came from the morning meme on nag was um i got to talk about things that are not transportation related that relate to mental health and relate to stress and relate to the things that are really going on so i need to do it in a way where you know i'm giving a disclaimer that i'm going to tell you i'm going to nag you to make sure you drink enough water today because hydration affects all these different things and so the way that we framed that was, you know, by just really kind of moving forward with the, you know, we call it a persona, but it's not a persona. I mean, it's exactly, it's exactly who I am. It's my personality. Um, and so uh, we've even tried, like I've tested the water a couple of times with like, eh, should we back off of Mima? Should we, you know, is it really? And every time I try to do that, people are like, no, 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 we still, we no, still you can't, want you, you've created a character. You can't do that. <laughs> you know what happened to, <laughs> you know what happened to uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle when he killed off Sherlock Holmes? He was getting death threats. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm not saying that would happen to you, but you know, no, no. you, no, you, exists now in the, in the, in social media. Yeah, yeah, she definitely does. And uh, I didn't know that Meemaw came from, from the COVID experience. Yeah, so, I mean, I always had that tone before that, um, but it wasn't until, you know, and I made a couple jokes about Meemaw, because I grew up in Spotsylvania County, but, you know, um, my, my father's from Greece, so the, the concept of me being Southern is not necessarily... Uh, completely accurate. So it was almost like a joke where it's like, yeah, I'm the last person that you would imagine is Meemaw, but I always thought that name was like, I should have been Yaya, which is the Greek name for her grandmother. And what happened is they all started interacting with each other. So it's not just them interacting with me. They get to know each other through through the Twitter community. Um, So I've met multiple people from the Twitter account in real life because they're real people. Um, And um, we had something recently where one of our regulars um, is a guy named David and he adopts senior pets and um, senior dogs. And it was um, time for his oldest dog to cross the rainbow bridge. And 
So he had texted me from um, the vet's office and it was, you know, it was awful. That's yeah. it's never a good situation. Um, but one of our followers, one of our Twitter community members called the vet's office and paid the bill and they've never met in person. Oh, they've never God. talked on the phone. That is so because cool. She said, I just have to do something for him. And, you know, I care about him. And and, and that's what makes it very different is like, I, I really don't use the word followers because they're not followers. We're all equal. It's a community. And um, because we all live near each other and even people that have moved away are like still in their mind, you know, Northern Virginian. Um, but it really is comes down to like what with COVID it people started realizing what's important to them in their lives and, you know, relationships and kindness and all these things come to the forefront. And, you know, we're here for that. Like I'm totally here for that. So um, it really, it's, it's not difficult to encourage that kind of thing. And then we, by being responsive and answering stuff quickly, it's, again, another window into the world of the agency. So people can put in a customer service ticket. Hey, you know, I have X issue like this. What's a good example? Oh, there's this giant pothole and blah, 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 blah. I put it in the work system a couple of days ago, which then gets generated into the maintenance um, areas. And somebody tweets us because the brand you know, brand Twitter and corporate tw Twitter has really taught people that the way that they can get an almost immediate response is through social media yeah. and governments are not exempt to that. So um, they'll tweet and they'll be like, Mima, what's up with this pothole? And um, I then I don't go through the ticketing system. I then call the superintendent of the area and I say, hey, can you um, can you go take care of this pothole? And they they do it and they do it quickly. And because our maintenance workers are dedicated to what they do and they care about what they do and they do a great job and they move quickly. And so people then report back and say, Oh my God, you got to fix in like one day. This is amazing. Um, and it's shocking to some who might have the perception that, you know, VDOT is a slow moving agency or unresponsive or whatever. But the reality is that that's not a, not at all true. Um, so then people get that window into it. And I think I, I timed it one time. And I think the fastest that um, somebody had reported, I think it was like a, a stop sign was down. Um, so I called our, you know, signs and um, signals maintenance. And then it was, I think, an hour and 26 minutes later, they had it done. <laughs> And it's just incredible. I love them. Like, shout out to our um, transportation field operations. They are incredible they do incredible work um but it's it's really that where like these are the people that i interact with day to day and i know their capabilities and i know the good work that they do so it's like what can i do to make residents understand and see for themselves that this is who vdot is and you're you're doing tweets under one specific vdot name and there yes. are several different vdot districts and I, does that make it easier or more difficult? And my point is, whether, let's say, go back to the snowstorm. I live in the Richmond area. Mm -hmm. If it is kind of snowy and messy here, if I drive north, it's going to get worse. So I would, I would think it would be harder to get accurate information to me if I was following one VDOT account well that's why you should follow all of them right? <laughs> <laughs> so no, you can really you communicate what's going on in in one region not just yeah. you know across the whole state sure and we have there's one there's a, a statewide twitter account because we we don't um we don't really function on facebook um in the northern virginia district so there's a statewide facebook page there's a statewide instagram page there's a statewide um twitter and then a couple of the districts have Facebook groups, but all of the districts have Twitter. So Twitter is really the unique district thing. So you do have a statewide um, Twitter account, but then you have, we have nine districts, VDOT districts. Um, and every single one of them is different from each other. 
Um, they're the same in terms of putting out useful information, being responsive, um, oftentimes using, you know, humor or these kind of things. Um, but the, the tones are slightly different because the audiences are slightly different. Like if I went down to Bristol and, you know, tried to be Meemaw down in Bristol, I think it would go over like a lead balloon um, <laughs> because, you know, I'm a Northern Virginia kind of That's person. Right. You ain't Meemaw. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but what works is that because the communicators in each district live in their districts and they're from their districts. Like they understand the the tone and, and whatnot. And so we have um, the, the, the accounts that interact with each other the most um, are um, it, it's down the 95 corridor. So it's Northern Virginia, it's Fredericksburg, it's um, Richmond and it's the statewide account. And we um, are, Twitter community created a hashtag um, that's uh, hashtag we love Meemaw. So right. <laughs> every day somebody's saying hashtag we love Meemaw. So what happened is we interact a lot, obviously, with the, the, the central office account in Richmond. So somebody then has named that publisher Meemaw Jr., um, and then the Fredericksburg one is Mini Meemaw. Um, and um, <laughs> I'm trying to get a, a, a nickname for the from, for the Richmond one, and I liked uh, Mima Nino because um, he's uh, a younger guy. <laughs> like, you know, these these things happen organically, and it's like well, that's you know, uh, you know that was going to be the next thing I, I was going to bring up is this isn't something that you sit down and no and come up with like an advertising campaign. It just no, not at all. You, you've got to pivot so quickly and take advantage of something when it happens yeah. and know and how I, to do it intelligently so you don't mess it up. Well, and that's that is always the pressure of a communicator is um, how, you know, you have the weight of the world on you in terms of representing an, uh, an agency and speaking for an agency. Um, and that's what has helped with the Meemaw persona is that it does create a little bit of distance between um, me and, you know, VDOT proper. So, you know, if I go off the rails, it's okay. Well, Meemaw has just kind of gone off the rails, um, but it's not, oh, look at VDOT. Look, what, what has VDOT done? So I think that makes people a little bit more um, comfortable, but it's, it is very quick moving. Um, we use um, videos and GIFs every single day. Like there's only a couple times that we've ever used like static photos. Um, and we do the majority of our messaging in the morning because that's the majority of when, you know, people are watching um during their commute, it used to be when they were riding the metro in or riding the bus in or something. They were, you know, on their phones, and so it's it's a perpetual process of going through all of these open source platforms, looking for videos that would be relatable, or you know, you watch it and you watch for the subtext of you know the reaction or the facial expressions of the dog or something, and hmm, what what can you know? Is there a subtext that I can put to this? And how can I turn this into a transportation message? Mm -hmm. I was going to say, which comes first, the the GIF or the uh, the uh, the idea that you're trying to get across? Because I've called no, myself, the GIF. It's always, yeah, that's it's always the same GIF. thing I do. So you kind of go through, and you're like, oh my god, that's so funny. How can I use yeah. this? Well, and I call it gift mining where I'm like, all right, let me, and I was doing the evening time because I'm like, eh, you know, I'm a bit of a, you know, Meemaw's a bit of a hermit at this point. So, um, you know, I go through and I'm like, oh, I can use that. I can use that. And so I'll gather up a bunch and then I can go through them like during the week or something. And then some I can, I sit on for months. And at this point I'm like anything that has snow in it, I'm like, you know, hoarding at this point ahead of snow season of knowing that I've got to, um, message those things but it it also helps me in terms of testing and learning um more about the community because there was a post i did today uh, one of the memo nags which is not related to transportation and it was a dog you just see this leaf pile and you you know they walk up they zoom in even further and then you can barely make it out that there's actually a dog inside of the leaf pile he's just being an introvert and hanging out so Literally, you know, just tweet introverts going to going to introvert, you know, leaf, you know, upon leaf them be when they need their space. And the amount of interaction that I get off that post, because people are like, hello, I'm an introvert. This is me. And it's great because 
it's then my own little like mini focus group of, oh, we have a decent amount of introverts. Okay, this messaging resonated with them. Great. Um, and that's where um, almost the negative messaging um, comes from where um, n- nobody messages us and says, hey, there was this really courteous driver the other day mm-hmm. and they gave us the courtesy wave, you know it's always the negative behavior. So the more that we can then present the negative behavior, like, look, dude, we witnessed this ourselves and it's exasperating to us too. And it's frustrating that resonates with people. And then they share it because they're like, Oh, look, you know, VDOT's getting sassy about, you know, speeders or, or whatnot. And we, our big thing that we have is um, we, we have an account on Reddit and there is a subreddit, um, called r slash nova and it's just for like northern virginia so i have been a redditor for seven years at this point and so i was like oh we gotta get on reddit and so i'm familiar with the reddit lore that exists and all of the posts that usually happen in this nova group and whatever and so it's this common joke that maryland drivers are worse than virginia drivers oh they are well (laughs) everyone knows that everyone knows that well, so then you're the target audience. Um, no, but in reality, you know, that isn't that isn't true. And, um, you know, there's tremendous amounts of horrible drivers in Virginia as well. <laughs> yes, there but are. But the, the fact that we are in on the joke, that we've heard the joke, because you know what? We're real human beings and we exist on Reddit, too. And, you know, we're into that. People get the biggest kick out of that because they're like, oh, wow, like VDOT's not speaking the truth about you know maryland drivers in reality i interact with the um with the communicators in the different transportation agencies in maryland and it's like i love you guys like this is not anything per- and they you know they don't have any issue with it and um even like uh a couple what is it um I think it's Maryland Transportation Authority has a really great account. They use gifts and really like they've used some really sophisticated gifts. And there's one that always got to me because it was this perfect clip from the movie Casino. And it was when the mother was like the, the son, they were in this outpost and the son was cursing. And, you know, the mother's like trying to get him to calm down and she's sort of slopping the desk and whatever. And I don't know what they use. I need to go back and check, but. It was so perfect. It was so well done that when I saw it, it just ate me up with jealousy of like, ah, this was so good and it didn't come from me. Ah, um, but it was just so chef's kiss. It was just beautiful. Wow. Um, and it's good to see. And it's fun to then interact with those accounts and those people. And what, what people don't realize is that, you know, communications professionals by nature communicate far more across the spectrum with their counterparts than other people do. So the PIOs of all the agencies, especially in Northern Virginia, pretty much all know each other. We've either worked with each other in previous agencies or we've interfaced, you know, across regional um, barriers, but not every engineer interacts with their counterparts in another state agency or, or something like that. So, we're already in tune with each other and um, in terms of like sharing messaging and boosting messaging and things like that. So it, it is this little um, this little family of communicators in, in the region that, you know, I can reach out and say, hey, all right, I'm going to say this or or they'll, you know, react to it or things like that. And, and when you know the person behind it, that's we have um, there's a hashtag that we have for snow um, and it's uh, hashtag Greg, please, but it's PLS. And it goes back to this ongoing joke um, in Reddit um, in Northern Virginia and DC, where every time it, it even possibly is going to snow, people start posting OPM PLS, like OPM, please, like, please cancel, cancel work. Give us, you know, whatever. Oh, right. And, like OPM, like anyone from OPM is going, oh, let me go and read it and see how people feel. Like they base it off of like what, what's really happening in current conditions and stuff. So it's almost this like um, just feudal kind of tongue in cheek kind of thing. So um, so I worked with a guy um, 
named Greg in Fairfax County, um, who's still um, a very good friend of mine, and he hates snow. So every time we have a snowstorm and he sort of heckles us a little bit. So I created this hashtag, Greg, please, like as a takeoff of OPM, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's people understand it. They get it. Um, and they're like, oh, this one's about snow. <laughs> and that, <clears throat> that might not work statewide, you know, no, it's more no. of a regional thing. Yes, definitely. And that's the beauty of having district accounts is that, you know, certain things that will work for me won't work for others and vice versa. And giving publishers the ability to be custom to their audience makes it a far more impactful message and a far more successful account because you have that um, that true bond then between the publisher and the rest of the community. You were talking about COVID earlier and and how that kind of spawn the Meemaw account. I've been saying now for quite a while that 2020, at least traffic statistics wise, is always going to have a great big asterisk next to it because everything has changed. Vehicle miles traveled went way down in 2020. Number of traffic crashes went down. Number of injuries went down, but fatalities went up. Mm -hmm. And we found, or, you know, state police and DMV and folks who research it have found that three things contributed to that. And it wasn't a huge part of the, it's not like everybody started driving like crazy. There were fewer people on the roads, but a certain small percentage of people uh, are speeding. And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't mean like 10 over the spot. I'm talking about like super speeders, you know, oh, total the, excessive. the yeah. ones that the state police puts p- pictures of the tickets on their social media. Mm-hmm. Like 120 and a 60, you know, crazy stuff like that. Yeah, we had 132 in Northern Virginia. Um, it was it was incredible. Where in um, Northern Virginia can you get enough open road to do 130? Well, these are the things that I say to myself, Rich. I'm like, where are you even <laughs> doing this? Um, but it's the interstate. You know, when you have wide open interstate and you have a straight shot and you have people that – for whatever reason, and this is what I always struggle with, is people don't think that things are going to happen to them. To them they right. don't think that they're going to lose control of their car. They don't think that they're going to crash. Um, they think that they're never going to run over a pedestrian, that they're never going to like they're so overconfident in their abilities and they don't realize the massive amount of um physical and emotional damage that they can do to other people just with their vehicle. Um, so it's really trying to get through to people's heads. Like you, you are responsible for other people's safety. It's not about your convenience of, you know, how fast you want to drive or, you know what, you don't think you should have to stop for pedestrians in a crosswalk. You shouldn't have to put your lights on when it's raining, you know, Mm -hmm. dude, it's not, it's not about your convenience. It's about you as a member of society having an obligation to other people to not do things to make them to injure them. Um, And I think, I don't know what it is with the disconnect with that, because that's something that I still have not found any kind of magical messaging to be able to say that, um, which is, uh, you know, just, I, years ago, um, I think I'm approaching four years, um, this month, um, I was in a car accident and I was hit head on by a drunk driver, Mm. um, who was having um, a mental health crisis and she died. I, you know, was in a much bigger, I had a Jeep at the time and, you know, she had a little Ford fusion. And so I got out of the car with bruises and that was it. And she died. I didn't do anything wrong. She hopped up and over a concrete median, you know, hit me head on. I wasn't even speeding. I was going through the speed limit, all these kinds of things. And I struggled for months to not feel like I killed somebody myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so trying to say to somebody, like, if you injure somebody and it is your fault, you don't realize the impact that you are going to have on someone else's family and also what you're going to have to live with yourself. Right. You have to wake um, up every morning and look in the mirror knowing that you've done what you did. Yes. Yeah. And, that's, and you don't, that's a hellish you, thing that most people can't even conceive. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, people probably 
when you really think about it, it's like driving in general, you have to kind of put the concept out of your mind that anything could happen at any moment. Otherwise, you would probably be, you know, a nervous wreck the entire time. But I remember the very last thing that I thought, like, split second before this woman hit me and you know there's no skid marks or anything because she literally the distance from where she decided to jump the curb to where she hit me i i didn't even have a time to break was oh my god this is really happening it was the last uh, last thought oh my god this is like i'm really about to be hit like somebody's about to hit me with their car and and it was 20 years since my last car accident, and that one wasn't even my fault. So you get into this lull of, I get in the car every day and everything's fine, so I don't have to be aware or I don't have to think about that. And they, I guess they just get numb to it or whatnot. But with being in such a populated area and having so many people that are not just driving cars, that are, you know, the best term is this vulnerable road user. They are vulnerable. You are driving a car and they are on foot or they are on a bike. Um, and th- it's not, it's not even match. Like you, that means that if you're going to choose to be in the bigger vehicle, you have to be the bigger person. You have to be the safer one. You have to be the more alert one. And that's just the way, that's just the way that it works. So, um, I don't know. It's one of those things that it's, there's no perfect dog gift to be able to explain like how to be a decent human being and a safe human being on the roads. Um, but it's, you know, I'm not giving up on trying to find a way to, to Yeah, I like the way you put that. If you drive the bigger vehicle, you got to be the bigger person. Yeah. It's like, yeah. wow. Hey, that's a good one. I got to write that down. I'm stealing <laughs> that. <clears throat> and I, there's one of the other problems during 2020 was lack of seatbelt use. Now, that's a chronic Mm -hmm. problem now. Um, We're down to 95%. How am I trying to put this? 15% of Virginia drivers don't buckle up still. Mm -hmm. It was 20% five or six years ago. So I I think we've gotten to the the hardcore. I'm not going to buckle up no matter what people who I just, I guess they didn't take physics in high school or I just can't imagine driving around untethered in a vehicle or having passengers untethered in a vehicle that's doing, you know, 45, 45 miles an hour. If you have a crash at 45 miles an hour, it's devastating. Yeah. I just, I I don't, I I just don't understand how people could make it a, a social or political thing or, you know, you can't tell me what to do in my vehicle. It has nothing to do with that. We're trying to, encourage you to wear your seatbelt so that if someone you know causes a crash you don't go flying through your windshield because what is it uh, 75 percent of people ejected from a vehicle will die period yeah and the after my car accident like i had a couple um bruises on my hands and my knees but the vast majority is this seatbelt pattern from my shoulder across my torso and then across, you know, my stomach, both of my hips. And you could see, I literally have this giant, you know, red and black and purple, you know, bruise for, you know, a good week that was the exact shape of the seatbelt. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, it is a little ridiculous on some levels, but uh, on others, it's like, here is your proof. Like this thing you know, this woman, I took the front end off of this woman's car or she took it off herself. I, I, I don't know how you want to phrase that, but I literally, the minute that co- my car stopped moving, I'm up and I'm out of the car. I felt, you know, a little bit of hand pain, but if I didn't have my seatbelt on and, and I was going, she was going 55 and I was going, 33 i think it was um that's a lot of force way different story way different story but they work they work oh yeah and And airbags work too but they don't work without seatbelts because if you're not buckled up that airbag's gonna punch you around quite a bit (laughs) look it's been great talking to you ellen yeah definitely you too you too i appreciate it you are really good at what you do and i'm so glad you got a chance to to sit down and and talk with me 
for a while for our podcast. We've had some interesting guests in the past, but right now social media is a terrific way to get across a safety message. And most of the folks who listen to the podcast are probably safety practitioners, traffic safety practitioners, or advocates. I really appreciate the advice that you've given me and to everybody about how to use social media effectively. Um, it's, you know, it's not like writing a radio spot and recording it and paying to have it put out there. It's a very social thing. It's a community. Yes, definitely. And everybody follow us. Uh, it's V-A-D-O-T Nova. Um, we're also on Reddit. Um, but, you know, tweet us. Say, hey, me, ma, heard you on the podcast or, hey, me, ma, come fix my pothole and uh, <laughs> I'll definitely respond. But, you know, for the social media publishers out there, it's, it, it, you know, it some are some are great. Some aren't. I write tweets that I think are the funniest things ever. And sometimes the community is like, nah, that wasn't that oh, it's funny how the stuff that you think is just red hot sometimes falls flat. And then something yeah. that you'll put out there that you're like, well. Exactly. I don't know. You you put it out there and it goes crazy. It really well, is. It's it's just that iterative process and getting to know your community. And, you know, you just have to keep trying and not to be hard on yourself. And, um, you know, if I could leave people with one one concept is check your trending topics ahead of time. Check to see what's going out in the world, uh, because if you're not aware of everything else that's going on in the world or what's trending on Twitter, or what's, you know, a hot topic, you might inadvertently step in it mm. by um, the old, you know, in DiGiorno had that issue where there was a trending topic about domestic uh, abuse and they didn't realize that and they used the hashtag in some funny way about pizza and um oh they got a tremendous amount of <laughs> backlash so it's always like check and see what's going on and you know how how could somebody take this the wrong way potentially but yeah. again have fun with it be a human being everybody's part of the community and you know we welcome everybody my guest has been ellen kamalakis Did I get yes. it right <laughs> <laughs> and she is uh she's well she's meemaw in Northern Virginia. <laughs> Thanks for talking with us, Ellen. Thanks so much for having me. All right, take care. That's this installment of The Road We Travel, produced by Drive Smart Virginia. Follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the handle DriveSmartVA. Visit our website, drivesmartva.org. And if you have a topic or question for the, the podcast, shoot us an email at info at drivesmartva.org. Join us next time on The Road We Travel.